Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Ezekiel chapter 33. And then we will go over to the book of Romans in the 14th chapter for our text, or at least for one more verse. Ezekiel chapter 33, the first 11 verses. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? And then Romans chapter 14. I'm going to read both verses 11 and 12. Romans 14, verses 11 and 12. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Uh, The title that I have given the sermon this evening is The Doctrine of Individual Responsibility. The Doctrine of Individual Responsibility. In the Old Testament, it was generally thought that one's relationship to God was 
completely tied to the relationship that the nation had with God. It was a joint theology in which they all believed that they all sank or they all survived together. But God is giving Ezekiel a different concept of salvation, which we believe very strongly in today and is certainly referred to in the book of Romans in the verses that I read when it says every one, every individual shall give an account of himself to God. The doctrine of the individual's responsibility to his God. And this is taught even here in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 33. Many people in the Old Testament days and even yet today seem to have the concept that because they live in a Christian nation, therefore they are Christian. Or because they attend a church, they are Christian. Or because their family is Christian, they are Christian. And seem to disregard or pay no attention to the fact that each individual has his own personal responsibility and his own personal liability for the salvation of his own soul. Well, now God says to Ezekiel, Say to your people this, if I bring a sword upon the land, or to more easy, translate it for our more easy understanding, if I bring an adversary against you, you are to put a watchman on the wall. It is the responsibility of that watchman to blow the trumpet when danger appears. If that watchman blows the trumpet and the people heed, then they will be saved. If the people ignore the blowing of the trumpet, they perhaps will be lost, but their blood is upon themselves. However, if the watchman who is placed on the wall to blow the trumpet when danger approaches fails to blow the trumpet and fails to warn the people, those who die will have their blood upon the head of the person who was the watchman and failed to blow the trumpet, failed to make the warning. Now maybe you can begin to see where I'm going. This is a two-pronged approach. Who is really responsible for lost people? Who is really responsible? Ezekiel wondered this. Back in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, you remember the story of Cain killing his brother Abel over jealousy because God accepted the sacrifice of Abel and rejected the sacrifice of Cain. So he killed his brother and hid his body. And God asked him, where is your brother? And his response was something of this nature, how should I know? 
Am I responsible for my brother? And God came back with a resounding response in a question. And his question was, what have you done? That question answered the question of Cain. When he said, am I my brother's keeper? God was saying, in fact, indeed, you are your brother's keeper. You are responsible for his soul. We cannot escape the responsibility that God has thrust upon us as his children and as the church to look after the soul of the lost. And this is the first thing that I think that we need to see this evening. God is concerned for the lost. Not for the collective lost of the world, but for every individual lost person in our society. Over in the 10th and 11th verses of the 33rd chapter here of Ezekiel, the Lord says, well, let me just read the 11th verse. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way. I want you to notice the individual pronoun his. That the wicked turn from his way and live. And then there is the plea, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Oh, why will ye die, O house of Israel? But I want us to notice the emphasis that I want to place at least upon the little pronoun his indicating a singular concern. Three things let me say about God's concern for individuals. Number one, God wants every individual to know that he is a sinner. God wants every individual to know that he is sinful. And unless an individual is convinced in his heart and is convicted of his sin, the individual will die a spiritual death. This is the law of God. I was visiting in the home of a lady several years ago Maybe I have told you this little story. If I have, pardon me, but it, it makes the point I want to make. And I was trying to convince her that she ought to receive Christ as her Savior in a subtle sort of way and, and, and talking in terms that I thought perhaps she could understand. And I commented in the midst of my uh, plea and my conversation that she perhaps ought to ask God to forgive her of her sins. And her response to me was, I don't know as I've done anything so bad I need to be sorry for her. I was done until a person understands and recognizes that they're lost in sin, they'll never be saved. That's the first prerequisite to being saved is to acknowledge that one is lost. Now there are multitudes of people who do not acknowledge this, who do not believe that they are lost and would at their death go to hell because they are trying to believe something else, hold on to some other theology. 
So the first thing that we can see about God's concern for the individual is that God wants every individual to know that he's a sinner. This is the task of the church, to convince people that everybody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Point number two. God wants to, to restore. God wants to restore his fellowship with every individual. This is evident in verse 11 as well when he pleads, Turn ye, turn ye from your evil way. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God does not want a single soul to be lost. We must understand that. That God yearns, God desires that every individual be restored to a relationship with him. And thirdly, this restoration is possible. It is possible. God loves the individual. If I would ask you, do you love your family, every one of you would immediately say, yes, I do. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. I want to suggest to you that you do not love your family. You love the individuals in your family. You love every individual in your family as an individual, singly. We love individually. Therefore, if we are people who love individuals and we're concerned about the loss in our society, then we love the individuals in our society. One by one, we must love them. We're not going to love them as a group, but we're going to love them as individuals. Now, we have said to this point that God has thrust upon us as a church and as individual Christian people, the responsibility for being the watchman on the wall, whose job it is is to sound the warning and tell the people one by one by one that God loves them and gave his son to die on the cross for them, and that he wants them to repent of their sin and be saved. And we will do this effectively when we will do it one upon one. This is how the world will be saved. There may be great revivals and, and great numbers of people will be saved in response to those revivals. But the most people are saved by the influence of one person upon another. There's a little thing that we sing, win them one by one. The kids sing a lot, and that's exactly the way that it is done. Who is the watchman on the wall? Not just the preacher in the pulpit, but as I talked this morning, the layman in the pew. 
We all are the watchmen whose job and responsibility it is to shout forth the warning so that people know that they are sinners and need to be saved and we take to them the message that God does not want a single individual to be lost, but he wants all to be saved. All right, let's go to point number two. And that is, what, what responsibility does an individual have for his own destiny? God said to Ezekiel, that if that watchman on the wall sounds the warning and the individual in the community will not make a response to it, his, own, his blood is upon his own shoulders if he will not yield. Our job is to sound the warning. It is the job of the person to respond. Now, one of the things that we, that we get concerned about, and, and maybe rightfully so, we get concerned as a church that people don't respond. It is our job to plant the seed. Somebody else may come along and water, and somebody else may reap the crop. It's our job not to worry about the end result, but to make sure that we have done our job as the watchman or as the sower in that particular case. It's the individual's responsibility to make a decision for himself. And I would say to you, if, there, if you are not a Christian this evening, you will not be saved by my preaching. You will not be saved by the testimony of this church. You will be saved in only one way. That is, if you yield your own life Jesus Christ and ask him to save your soul. God made man a free moral agent. Back in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve and placed them there in the garden, there was one thing that he did with man that he hadn't done with anything else. Well, of course, well, maybe there's more than one. He gave man a soul, but he gave him something else. He gave him the right of choice. The right of choice. You see, God wants somebody to love him who will do it because they want to, not because they're forced to. God could have made it impossible for man to sin. And he could have ordered us all to come to church and to have services and to everybody in this world to be present. And he could have enforced that. But what kind of love would that have been? All of us know that if we, want, if we get somebody to love us, it's because they want to, not because we make them do it. And anybody who has gotten beyond... Um, junior high school age at least I'm sure has had some kind of boy-girl relationship and when you just want that opposite person to love you and you can't make them do it you cannot it's got to be done freely or it's not love at all and this is the kind of love that God wants we have a trend toward mass evangelism we preach to crowds 
and every preacher wants a church full. I'm no different. I'm not satisfied and never will be as long as I'm preaching here in this church until every pew is filled to capacity and seats are placed in the aisles. No preacher, I'm sure, is satisfied. And I don't care how big the building is, we still want it full. We want it full. The problem comes when we start misinterpreting the group that is before us as a group instead of as individuals. I think teachers make this mistake, and let me, let me preach. I have preached to you teachers, have it. And let me directly, so let me do a little of it. I have been in many classes, and have uh, as both as a teacher and a student, as well as you. And one of the things that disturbs me is when the teacher says, Now, class, and so we put all of those people together in one basket, and we're dealing with them as one unit. Now, class, now, church, we're all going to do this. Then something comes along that just shakes that theory all to pieces when suddenly we begin to see that we are not one body, but we are a group of individuals. And I've got to preach to each of you as an individual, and you're going to respond to my preaching individually, not as a body. When Jesus came toward Jerusalem, on the day of the triumphal entry. And he looked out from the top of that hill down over the city. And he lamented, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen doth gather her brood, but you would not. He was not talking about the city as a whole. He was talking about all of those single people. All those single people. What I'm saying to you is that we as a church must be careful that we don't fall into the danger. And I think you teachers, and I'm sure you know this, so I'm not really telling you that you don't know, must be careful that you don't put your class in one gob because they're all singles who have individual needs. And we're all singles in this church who have individual needs. And a lot of you will respond in a different way. And the same thing is true when we go out to win the lost. We're all singles. We hear a lot today about the mass starvation that's going on in Africa. And there's millions that are starving. And this gets our concern, as rightly it ought. This past winter, we heard of the great numbers of people that uh, had no heat because of, of the weather. We hear, particularly this time of the year, of statistics, and I get them all the time in my office, of where all of the illnesses are in the country. We had the, on the Weather Channel, they had the statistics about the flu and where it was uh, growing, becoming a, a health problem. We talk about masses here and masses there. But if there is one sick individual, that doesn't seem to be a crisis. If there's one starving person, that's no crisis. We don't hear about that. If there's one cold individual, we ignore it. 
But let me say this. Those single individuals are having their crisis, and it's real to them even though there's only one. I'm trying to make the point, and maybe poorly doing so, I don't know, that we've got to see the last of this world as single persons who have a need for Jesus Christ, not worry about the masses. Let's just worry about that one that you know of. And the next one you know of. And the next. Until we have accomplished the purpose for which Jesus put us here on earth. When our Lord gave us the parable of the hundred sheep, 99 of them were in the fold, well taken care of, his attention was turned to the one that was lost. And he went out to risk his life that he might save the one. I believe Jesus Christ would have died on the cross had there been only one response to his death in this world. Just one response. Because he didn't die to save the masses. He died to save me. And he died to save you. our task. Our task is to be the watchman on the tower. And if the watchman sees the sword come, then he will blow the trumpet and announce the danger. Our job is to blow the trumpet. Now, if people respond to our blowing of the trumpet, then the Lord will be pleased with our efforts because we blew the trumpet and he will save the souls of those lost people. But if we do not blow the trumpet, their blood will be put on our record. What is he saying? I believe he is saying this. If you have the opportunity to testify for Jesus Christ to a person who is lost, and you don't take advantage of it, you fail to blow the trumpet, and that person's soul, God will charge it to your account as your failure. How many, how many people can you name to whom you have witnessed? I'm not asking you to make a verbal response. I'm asking you to make an internal response. How many people have you, to whom have you blown the trumpet? That's what our job is. If you're not a Christian, when the trumpet is blowing, then you've got to make a decision. Heed it or ignore it. And if you ignore it, then the destiny of your soul is in your own hands. But if you respond, your soul will be saved. And the blower of the horn, the blower of the trumpet, God will be pleased with. Shall we pray?
Our Father, we thank you for making it so plain to us. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.